Corey, you are the expert in this because you just wrote about it. Who <laughs> right now is the best pickup from deadline season in the NHL. We're just talking about this season's impact. Mark Stone wins for the long term. He's the only one under contract for right. some of these yes, guys. Yes. Right okay. here, right now, right still playing here, in the playoffs. Right now. I love Matt Zuccarello right now in Dallas because he's allowed his presence right there on the second line with Rope Hints has allowed Dallas to bump Jamie Ben back up to that super top line with Alexander Radulov and Tyler Sagan. And granted, it hasn't really got chugging yet against the Blues, but I think it will. And Dallas was 27th uh, in the regular season in goals. We have to look at them differently because now they have two lines which they didn't have. But from a from a, a I guess a more of a depth perspective, the additions Boston made for Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson, both of them play on the same line. Basically, that's a brand new third line for the yeah. Bruins that didn't exist for them before. It the, didn't look good until the it playoffs. It didn't look good. Yeah, Coyle wasn't great down the stretch. Johansson got injured, um, but both of them have scored some huge goals, made some big plays. I mean, Coyle kind of closed off the Leafs, basically. Um, you know, I don't know if Boston is looking as strong if they're going in with two lines and they don't make those additions. And and none of these guys cost all that much. You know, Zuccarello goes for a conditional second and third rounder. If they win two rounds and get to the conference final, that's a first rounder that they give up. At that point, it's worth it. They're right? happily giving they're, up. They're happily. But most of these guys, you're talking about Gustav Nyquist, same kind of thing. He adds a, you know, a third line or some depth scoring at least. They don't go for first rounders. That really shows how much of a buyer's market it was for all these teams. And, and anybody who made an addition at the deadline, I mean, for the most part, it's it's working out very well for them. Well, Columbus certainly yep. smiling the way Matt Duchesne has played. Maybe Ryan Dezingle's a healthy scratch, but... Uh... He was great in the regular season down <laughs> yeah. the stretch for them, I thought. And he played... He... Played his role. Tampa Bay didn't do anything. Yeah. They got swept. You never know who's, <laughs> who's going to come back still to to play a big role. But yeah, um, certainly some of the, uh, the moves paying off for the clubs who are still playing. Still eight of them going. We are going to talk about the Dallas Stars and St. Louis Blues game four coming up. Also, we have some trade talk. Trade talk. Playoffs. Trades in the playoffs. <laughs> Carolina, not only up 2-0 on the Islanders, but dealing big prospect uh, Adam big, Fox to the place prospect. that we expected he was going all along, mm-hmm. or at least in recent months, the New York Rangers. We're going to touch on that. But the big news on Tape to Tape, we are very happy to say this episode will be joined by Alain Vigneault, the new head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, the head coach also of Canada's World Championship entry in Slovakia. Big day. Happy to have Vino, a long, long time coach in both the major junior ranks and the NHL coming on to give his thoughts about the Flyers, the playoffs, and of course, a little world championship talk as well. All of that coming up here on Tape to Tape. The Tape to Tape podcast is brought to you by the next generation GMC Sierra Denali, complete with the world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate. Net sliding around on the way to pond hockey? Use the built-in load stop to help keep them in place. Loading what seems like half a team's worth of bags? The tailgate also turns into a step for easier access and has an inner gate that flips down for unloading all the gear you can fit. GMC Sierra Denali. We are professional grade.
here we are on the day that Chuck Fletcher announces Elaine Vigneault as coach of the Flyers, 21st coach, and I think the 12th in 22 years here in Philadelphia. There were a multitude of factors, uh, but you know, really what it comes down to is this guy's a proven winner. When you look at the coaching that's gone on, and I think that one, one thing that was interesting as we listened to the press conference was the thing I got out of it was when you talk about Barry Trotz and the Islanders. You know, that's a team that lost John Tavares in the offseason, and they really went after a big-time coach. They didn't hesitate at all. Lou Lamarillo knew what he wanted to do. So I think now that when you look at Florida going after uh, Joel Quenville, they look like a similar team to the Flyers a little bit. Uh, they've both been around the standings the last couple of years together. They went out and got a guy they felt could put him over the top. So what do the Flyers have to do? They've got to go out and get another guy who's had tremendous success, and that is uh, Alain Vigneault uh, with the Rangers in Vancouver, two trips to the finals. That's a lot of pedigree, and that's what the Flyers needed. Pleased to be joined now on the line by Alain Vigneault. He is the new coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, also the coach of Canada's entry at the upcoming World Hockey Championship in Slovakia. Alain, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Pleased to be joined by you and uh, certainly want to ask you about the Flyers, about this Canadian team you're going to be coaching through May, but we have to start with the playoffs. I mean, I'm sure you've been keeping a close eye on things. It's been uh, just a topsy-turvy tournament so far and I mean, even if we end up looking back at 2019 as an exceptional year in terms of upsets, I'd love to know what you think um, about whether or not we're at a point here where if you're one of the 16 teams who make the playoffs, you honestly and truly have a chance now to win three or four rounds the way the league is set up. Well, I mean, if you look at what I've been saying for the past uh three, four years, uh, myself and a number of people have been saying it's not easy to get in, but once you get in, uh, any one of the 16 teams does have a legitimate legitimate chance uh, to win the Stanley Cup. And uh, again, uh, there's proof again this year. There's uh, so much parity. There's so little separating teams from one another uh, that once you get in, if you get on a roll, if you get some confidence, you get some goaltending, you never know what can happen, and uh, so far the playoffs have, have been extremely exciting. Our game has, has never been better with the, the skill and speed and that's on the ice. It's uh, so much fun to watch every night, and I guess any hockey fan right now is really excited about what's going on in the playoffs. I was recently talking with Joel Quenville, and I wanted to get an idea of like how he watches the game uh, at the NHL level when he's not a coach. And his thing was, you know, he's not looking at it tactically anymore. He likes to focus on the the top individual stars and look at them. And I'm just curious, you know, being away, not being in the trenches, not being worried about line matching and everything like that, just as a fan or an onlooker, how does the way you watch an NHL game change when you're just looking at it through the TV? Yeah, well, that's that's a good question, and, and I got to tell you, this year, uh, obviously, you know, when you're not uh, in a in a full time NHL job, you're looking at uh, hockey a little differently, and a lot of times you are looking at it as a fan and and, and watching and and loving the, that skill level and that speed and uh, the competitiveness that uh, each team brings on, on a daily night. That uh, it is so hard in today's game to get into the playoffs. 
uh, and it's an 82-game uh, uh, grind that from start to finish is a challenge for players. It's a challenge for coaches. And it's great to see how, you know, different individuals handle handles the, those situations. But i got to tell you, this year, I mean, it was competitive in the regular season right till the end. And for me, I was watching it from, obviously, uh, uh, my home. And uh, every night uh, there was something – uh, special uh, on the two where you just go, wow, what, what a skill set and what speed and what execution. And uh, it was it was uh, a different year for myself and, and probably different for Joel once he got let go by Chicago. Uh, I'm ha- real happy to be back in it, but uh, I enjoyed watching the game as, a, as an observer, as a fan of the game. It was great to see. And, and the NHL product, the on-ice product, has changed, I would say, pretty radically since when you first uh, came into the league as a head coach in 1997 as a young man. Um, how much has your style of a coach had to change over those 20-plus uh, years? And then the second part to that question, in, in what you've seen being away from the game, how do you think you'll come back as a different coach next year as opposed to um, at the end of last season? Well, you know, I really believe that uh, to stay in this game and and to stay in, in any line of work, really, uh, you've got to make sure that uh, you're proactive and you're constantly getting better at your skill level. And, and that's the same that goes, you know, for coaches. Uh, I started, like you said, in the NHL in, in 97. That was a long, long time ago. I had a lot more hair back then. <laughs> uh, but um, I'm, uh, I, I, I tried to, uh, to stay on top of anything that was new, uh, whether it be science-wise, uh, tactical-wise, technique-wise. And that's how you, you know, basically you keep uh, your teams, uh, you know, winning. And if you win in this game, there's, there's a chance that uh, you might be able to stay in it for a couple of years. So uh, for me, uh, you know, I, I've, I've always tried to stay on, on top of, you know, the different things that are out there. And, and it's it's paid off for me. I was able to, to get back and uh, and to do what I love to do the most in, in life. And, and that's the coach. And that's the coach teams and and give them direction and and help them achieve the the most success that uh, they can possibly have and uh i'm uh you know after being out of the game for a year uh, there were some some subtle little changes this year to 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 the game but uh, the game i would say in the last uh, uh, five or six years has really gone to a you know a four-man high tempo attack where you've always got to D in the rush, and uh, so it makes it a lot more challenging as far as as defending uh, in today's game. And uh, for me, it's 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 so exciting, and I'm looking forward to the this new challenge that I've got here coming up with Team Canada, and I'm looking forward to the challenge I have next year with Philly. Just quickly on one of those changes, you know, your your last job with the. Rangers, you could really lean on Hendrik Lundqvist as your number one goalie, but I think something we've talked about a lot on this podcast this year is teams are splitting or close to splitting their starters. Do do you see that as a legitimate change in this game that you really need two or even three goalies? Well, I think that, uh, you know, teams that have analyzed the teams that have had success in playoff rounds uh, are teams where, you know, a goaltender's kept his games in the regular season uh, sort of below 60 and, uh, you know, in my time, uh, not as much in, in Vancouver, uh, but in the last couple of years when we had both Luongo and Schneider, 
uh, we tried to uh, make sure that uh, uh, both goaltenders w- were used, uh, you know, a, a reasonable amount. And in my time in New York, uh, you know, Henry got hurt a couple of times. So uh, both uh, Cam Talbot and Antti Ranta got a, a fair share of the workload and uh, both had, uh, you know, pretty good success if you look at their, their winning percentages. So uh, I do think that in today's game, uh, it's a lot more taxing and demanding on goaltenders. So you almost need to keep uh, your number one. If you truly have it, a true number one, I would say between 50 and 60, and then hopefully give to your, uh, your second guy anywhere from 20 to, to 30 games. And it's just, uh, it's, so demanding on those guys now uh, that that seems to be the teams that have success in the playoffs have been able to do that. We mentioned that you broke in with the Habs as a head coach 20 years ago, but your history behind the bench goes back even really a decade before that. I have to admit, I didn't realize you had started your coaching career um, in your mid twenties in, in the queue. I was was 25 years old. Yeah. So take us through that. You're you're the captain of Hull, uh, uh, really just a few years before that, and and then end up a a coach. Uh, How did that come about? Uh, You know, um, my my coaching uh, uh, career is is sort of a a fluke. Like I uh, I was uh, I was uh, with the uh, St. Louis Blues, and uh, I finished my uh, my first uh, three year contract, and uh, they wanted to sign me to an extension. And I got married that summer, and uh, I told my wife at the time, I said, I'm always going to be, uh, you know, an, an up-and-down player. I don't have the the talent to stay in the NHL on a regular basis, so I just decided to go back to school. Got married, went back to school, and as I was in school, uh, somebody approached me uh, to, to tell me, basically, that nobody wanted to coach the Tier 2 team at the time in Three Rivers, and would I come and help? So I said I would help for two weeks. I hadn't been coaching. I hadn't gone to school in over seven years, and I wanted to focus on that. Well, the two weeks ended up being two years. Uh, We had a tremendous amount of success, so I was doing both my schoolwork and uh, doing volunteer work. I said to myself that uh, if I was able to make uh, my career in, in a short career, though, but if I was able to get in the NHL, it's because there were a lot of great coaches that helped me uh, growing up and it was my way of giving something back to the game. And uh, those two years I ended up uh, after that, getting a call to from major junior in three rivers, spent a year there, then went five years with the whole Olympics at the time. We were owned by uh, Wayne Gretzky. And, uh, and then I really never looked back. I just uh, coached and, uh, and now I'm uh, I'm in, back in the NHL this year. Yeah, safe to say things worked out for uh, <laughs> the best there, uh, thanks to uh, a, a two-week trial there. Um, well, yeah, as you said, you're back, and uh, and this Philly team is really an intriguing one. Made a, a really nice push at the end. Um, some really good young components. You're going to see a couple. I'm still calling Sean Couturier young, even though it feels like he's been around forever. He's 26. Yeah, He'll be yeah. at the Worlds with you. Uh, Carter Hart there as well. I'm just curious in your conversations with Chuck Fletcher, where where you see the Flyers at in their journey. Is this a team that is, you know, right there and you feel like could could be a true contender with an ad or two, or is this one that's still playing the long game a little with some of these young players? Uh, no, one of the, the, the one of the factors in, in me accepting the job with Philly is that uh, 
they do have some cap space and they do have some room to to improve our team. In talking with with Chuck and uh, you know we exchange on a lot of things, but you know there's no doubt that we have a, a good young goaltender that's got a lot of potential. Uh, but we need to, to get another guy that uh, obviously can help him out. Uh, we both felt that the D, uh, the D is strong. It's got uh, potential. It's got youth. It's got it's speed. It's got skill. So th- that was a big component also. And up front, they've got some real good players, and they've got uh, you know pretty good depth there. Uh, but uh, there's no doubt that both uh, Chuck and I feel that uh, uh, there is definite room for improvement. And if we can make uh, the proper moves this summer uh, that uh, we feel that we've got a real good chance at uh, getting into the playoffs. And again, uh, that's the number one goal of, of any team. you got to get in. And once you're in, who knows what can happen. So you're heading to the Worlds. Unless I'm mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, this is your first go with Team Canada since being an assistant on World Junior teams back in the early 90s. I'm just curious uh, how this came about and what made you want to uh, take up this opportunity. Well, uh, you know, uh, I got a call, uh, I, I would say, a few weeks ago from uh, Ronnie Francis to measure, I guess, my level of interest. And like you just mentioned, I hadn't been that, uh, I hadn't had the opportunity to uh, represent my country since uh, 1991 at the World Juniors in Saskatoon. And um, since I had a year off, uh, uh, I loved their coach, and he offered me the, the possibility to uh, coach Team Canada. It's the first time, uh, you know, my last nine years, we had made the playoffs nine straight times, except for my, my last year with the Rangers. So uh, I never had the opportunity to, to go to the Worlds, and, uh, and now they offered me that. So for me, I just felt that uh, it would give me an opportunity to uh, do something I hadn't done before. It would, it gave me an opportunity. I felt to improve my uh, my skills as a coach. Uh, I was able to surround myself with a real solid staff with uh, Kirk Muller, Dave Haxtell, and Lindy Ruff, who I'd worked with in in New York. And uh, we're off to the worlds. We're excited. I've talked to every player, uh, and uh, everybody is uh, looking forward to the great opportunity that we have in front of us. Yeah, you mentioned Haxtell. We were joking in here as the former coach of the Flyers. Do you take him down to the hotel lobby bar at some point and say, okay, buddy, you got to give me the skinny on every guy on that team? <laughs> oh, you know, I mentioned this at my press conference in Philly that, you know, I had talked to both uh, Ron Hextall, who's one of the GMs, and, and Dave, and to tell them that I wasn't uh, going to bother them with, with Philly. Uh, while we're there with Team Canada, uh, it's all about uh, focusing on, on that group and uh, making sure that that group is well-prepared, goes out on the ice and competes real hard, and that's going to be our focus there. And, and, and to tell you the truth, I want to go in, into Philly with, uh, uh, with everybody having a clean slate and an open mind. So I don't want to go in there with any pre- preconceived ideas on, on any players. I want the guys to come in and show me what they can do on the ice, and, uh, and then we'll try and make sure that that team is is well-prepared and uh, ready to have a real good season. Okay, Alain, we'll get you out on this question. It's the one everybody wants to know the answer to. At your introductory press conference in Philadelphia, announcing your hiring there, you met Gritty. What is he like? What was that (laughs) moment like? Uh, He's a tough, tough mascot. (laughs) uh, uh, You know what? It's funny. My my daughters are 29 and 25, and they love him. So uh, when they saw him give me the, the whistle, 
they were real excited. And I guess he's, he's a big part of the Flyers. So <laughs> Flyers. Yeah, he's he's the he's the rookie of the year this year. That's uh, that's for sure. All right, Alain, thanks so much. We know you got a uh, a flight to catch across the ocean. So thanks yep. so much for joining us today. My pleasure, guys. Anytime. Well, you asked him, Rory, and I, I still think anyone associated with the Flyers these days, you're getting the gritty question, right? Yes. I mean, the guy's still riding high. Uh, Vino mentioned yes. it. His daughter's, uh, <laughs> you know, who who hasn't gravitated towards uh, the orange furry, <laughs> whatever he is. Who doesn't like him? Oh, my God. He is, uh, he's a lot of fun. And I think there's probably some fun days ahead for Philly on the ice. I mean, you know, when uh, Ron Hexall got canned, there was all this talk about he didn't make the moves that people really wanted and and he was not as active as a team that's been historically very active you know the brass the upper the upper brass you know there was some sense that they wanted the team to take some swings but you know what there's a reason Chuck Fletcher didn't do that there's a lot of good pieces in place there's a lot coming yeah. up and and I think Vigno is probably a very good choice to try and lead them to the next Phase. Yeah, I mean, you had some factors this year, like uh, Ivan Provorov, Shane Gosses, Bear both had down years. I was expecting a monster season from Provorov. Yeah, I even think it's coming fringe next year Norris now. talk for that. Yeah, guy. Like, I can, I can almost guarantee coming. he'll be at least a finalist in the Norris at some point in yeah. his career. Um, Gosses, Bear, maybe not, but he's going to give you a lot of offense, and he's that kind of you know puck mover, good skater. And then you have. You know, guys like Philip Myers, who we saw some at the end of the season there, he's going to develop into a, a really nice NHL or Travis Sanheim's 23 years old, um, another young blue lander that they can move forward with. And, and you've got that kind of back there. Carter Hart obviously was the best story for that team this year. And then up front, like, is, this is why you can't like trade any of these superstars. Like Claude Giroux is going to be a big producer for you. Got a really good top line out there. Hopefully, Vignon can bring more out of Nolan Patrick and and, and in that. Um, but, you know, there, there are definitely good pieces there. You're going to have another good draft pick this year. It's going to add to that as well. It, they just seem like a team that is in a tough division, unfortunately. And you got a season here where Carolina finally found some goal scoring. New York Islanders out of nowhere became the best defensive team in, in the league. And nobody could have predicted either of those things. Um, Philadelphia by no means is a team that you can write off or that you would think needs drastic changes. Uh, bring in a coach like Vignon, who's got an excellent track record. Obviously he's one of Jack Adams. His, the, the first years he has with teams are generally very good. Second round with the uh, Canucks Stanley cup final with the New York Rangers. You know, uh, he should be able to get some more out of this team. You look back at the last number of years and Philadelphia has been out of the playoffs, in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, in the playoffs. So you keep that trend going. You you think they're going to land right back in it again next year. Yeah. Vino. I mean, he mentioned it. His teams, uh, he, he hasn't had a chance to coach the worlds because he's in the NHL yeah. playoffs. And that's certainly what nine straight years. Yeah, The Flyers yeah. will be expecting as well. All right. Speaking of playoffs on the other side of the break, we are going to chat about Game four coming up between St. Louis and Dallas. Also, whether or not the Islanders can claw back into their series with Carolina on the road. And we'll also touch on the trade that Carolina found time to make uh, here in the postseason. All that coming up on Tape to Tape. Looking to stream over 500 NHL games blackout free? Sportsnet Now is the product for you. 
Available to anyone over the internet, Sportsnet Now gives you 24-7 access to Sportsnet's channels, including content not available on TV. You can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices, including smartphones and tablets, Apple TV, Xbox, PlayStation, and Chromecast. Sign up for as long as you want and cancel whenever you'd like. You can also stream the NBA, MLB, Premier League, all your favorite Sportsnet original programming, and more. Visit snnow.ca for more details. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. All right, Rory, Adam Fox traded for the second time in basically 12 months, a one-time Calgary Flame draft pick who was involved in the deal that sent Lyth Lindholm and Noah Hannafin West and Dougie Hamilton and Michael Furland back to Carolina. The Canes obviously hoping they could sign the college defenseman when it became clear that wasn't going to happen and that he'd kind of been steering the ship toward the Rangers all yes. along. Lo and behold, it happens. He goes for, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a second round pick and a conditional second round pick in 2020 if he plays, I think, 30 games it's, next year for yeah, New York. Yeah, it's a third round pick that becomes a second there rounder in 2020 if he plays 30, yes. This feels like a risk worth taking for uh, the New York Rangers and I guess for a guy who they potentially would get nothing for next summer, Carolina could potentially get two second round picks. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, I think the, that's the only surprising thing about this is that the Rangers actually traded for the guy because if they would have waited a year, he would have gone back to Harvard. He would have been a UFA next summer in 2020. And then the Rangers, I assume would have been able to get him for nothing. This just shows obviously that they're going to be playing him in the NHL. Yeah. Next. You're not going to give up a second and a third and not use him to keep him under that 30 game mark. It is going to be two second rounders going to the hurricanes. And I mean, look, even though Fox was a third round pick in his draft, his status as a prospect has just been shooting up ever since then in his freshman season in Harvard, he scored 40 points in 35 games for a uh, point per game rate of 1.14, which was the highest for an under 20 NCAA defenseman since 1997, 98, when Mike Motto did it a long time, you know, a very, very great producer, basically a point of game player in his second year. And then this year uh, with Harvard, only two players in all of the NCAA, regardless of position scored more points than Adam Fox getting 48 and 33 games. So, you know, he, he's one of those guys. He's, he's listed at five foot 10. He's an undersized guy, but an excellent skater an excellent puck mover. And by all accounts, the Rangers are going to be aggressive in trying things this yeah. summer. You know, the, there's also this, the expectation that they're going to be signing Vitaly Kravtsov, their Russian prospect, first round pick top 10 guy from last year's draft that they're going to sign him. And he's going to come over next year. He'll get a look at training camp. We'll see where he ends up. You know, Elias Anderson, Philip Heedle, guys we saw this year. And then, you know, maybe they get into the market for an offer sheet or maybe they get hard in the UFA market for an Artemi Panarin. These Russians yeah. tend to want to go to New York a lot of the time. So that's a team, you know, you still have Henrik Lundqvist in net. You have that backstop. You, I imagine, want to be making a push here before long if you can so that he can make another run. You got the second overall run. pick too. You got the second overall pick. You were loaded with first round picks, like you just said, they could get another first round pick. If Dallas uh, makes it to the conference final, they are loaded with picks. They could use them. They could trade them, whatever. They've had a ton of first round picks over the last few years. This, this rebuild is coming to an end very quickly, I think. And, 
you know, unfortunately for Vignon in the in the Flyers, maybe the Rangers that are in the mix for a playoff spot next year. If not next year, then I would imagine the year after that the Rangers are back in full force. So, of course, the business at hand, the real business for Carolina is trying to go up 3-0 in its second-round series with the Islanders. Game three at home, we've seen what that environment is like. Do you give the Islanders much of a chance of clawing back into this one? Game two's loss was a tough was one, tough. wasn't it? A yeah. couple, couple hard ringing posts in yeah. that third period. And you only allow 12 shots in the first two periods to Carolina, three in the first, nine in the second, and you've got this one nothing lead. And then in a matter of, what was it, a minute and four seconds, Carolina scores two goals, and you, you can't get that offense to get going. They only had six shots Carolina did in the third period. The fact that you lost that game at home too is a bit of a backbreaker. Maybe they can scrape one out in Carolina. Um, the only thing that seems to be going in New York's favor are the injuries that are starting to pile up here for the Hurricanes. I was a doubter for Peter Morazic. He looked great, but now they've had to call up Alex Nedeljkovic because he's hurt. And so now you're going to be going to Curtis McElhaney. Can he keep it going? You know, that defense is a little bit banged up. Jake Bean gets called up because Trevor Van Riemsdyk is hurt now. So maybe that starts to take a toll on the Carolina Hurricanes. But I think, you know, from the outset, I just thought they had more goal scoring. And then that was going to be able to get around this Islanders defense. And it seems to be happening a little bit. It's been a low scoring series, but I just think Carolina has the deeper roster of skilled players and it's kind of shining through the blues a perfect four and O on the road they go for five and O in game four in dallas if st louis can get a three one lead it's going to be obviously a tough road back for dallas yeah. uh, jim yeah. montgomery has said it's five on five play that the stars need to improve it's funny because they're one of the best <laughs> five on five scoring teams in the playoffs so far um but you know, that's kind of where it's won and lost in this series. And that was a wild uh, game three that Dallas yes. maybe should have gotten away with uh, a win in. Um, but, you know, I, what I have liked from Dallas so far is what I didn't like from them in the season. You know, through the regular season, they were really hot and cold. Like, they looked great for a stretch of five games, and then they looked terrible for the next five games. You didn't really know what kind of team they were. But in these playoffs, I don't really think they've had a bad like a really bad game I think they've looked like a, a contender for much of this stretch here Bishop has been excellent like I said you've got those two lines of scoring Miro Heiskanen has broken out yes. in, in a very big Coming way everybody's party, no seeing doubt. it now yeah. um, he's logging a ton of ice time for them too so I think they have the ability to get back into that series like, like I said like if Jamie Ben gets on that goal scoring sheet a little bit more often if that if that top line can really start pushing the envelope the way Colorado's top line has been doing it. They can do that against St. Louis. It changes the outlook for Dallas. So I wouldn't rule them out. I wouldn't even rule them out if they fell behind three games to one. They just yeah. beat Nashville three times in a row to get to this point. So they're going to be a tough vote any way you look at it. But obviously, obviously, you don't want to go down three games to one. Yeah, sometimes there's a second round letdown after the uh, craziness of the first round, especially this year with all the upsets. But man, the second round certainly shaping up to have some long, close, really fun series as well. Uh, should be fun to follow along all the way through to the end. The tape to tape pod will probably take a break until the end of the second round. We'll come back and go over how things played out and tee up the final four. It's really not that far away. Friends. We're almost at that point where there's only four teams left that can win the 2019 cup. And I guarantee you, there's going to be a couple in there that are going to have us shaking our heads. That's just been the kind of spring we have seen it's been a pleasure to have Alain Vigneault on today. Thanks to him for joining the pod. 
If you want to follow Rory on Twitter, check out at Rory Boylan. Find me at Dixon on Sports. And come back soon for more glass rattling hockey action on Tape to Tape. Short conversation. <laughs> hey, thanks, bud. Appreciate it. What? Where are you? Oh, a whistle. A whistle. Oh, jeez. My first whistle. I'll have it on the ice. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Go Flyers. Thanks, guys.